my job is built on shame, which is kind of fucked up when you think about it. There it is. Live and direct. Welcome to the Kindness Economy. This is episode 14. What? Yeah. Oh, my, really? Yep. True story. We're just cruising along. That's right. Damn. All right. And we are your hosts. Hey, y'all. Welcome. Um, this week, I will be talking about um, just family reconnection stuff, big conversations. And I will be talking about TikTok because it's kind of doing crazy shit for us right now yeah it really is but i'm gonna be talking about life at ten thousand feet and uh brene brown the author um if you don't know her you will in a little bit <laughs> so we're gonna get into shame for our rantifesto which will mm -hmm. be led today <sighs> by courtney how's your week uh we spent it at ten thousand feet um <laughs> Uh, my partner's little brother got married <laughs> and uh they live in denver but they like to ski a lot they uh they hang out up in the mountains and we went up there for their wedding like they went to the mountain where they fell in love and when i say they went to the mountain they like we went up to a basin and then like kept going up we had to get on the ski lift to go to the ceremony. Like, it was up, up. Um, Denver's at 5,000 feet, roughly, um, which is about a mile. Denver's the mile-high city. And this place, like I said, is about nine, ten thousand 10,000 feet. And I would do things like go up the stairs and be winded and have to sit down to catch my breath because I thought I was dying. Um, and then when I finally did catch my breath and was able to come up into the room with everybody else, all the people who live in Denver are sitting on the couch going, yeah, there's no air up here. Um, which made me feel a little, a little less bad about the whole not being able to breathe or wheezing heavily. But altitude sickness is no fucking joke. It is some rough stuff. Um, you got the headaches. You got a little bit of queeze. Um, but simple things like standing up and walking to the bathroom, you go in, you sit down and then you go <sighs> because there's just no air at 10,000 feet. <laughs> it's kind of cool. You start to see things, or at least in my case, and, you know, like I got the little sparklies on the edge of my vision and a little bit of tingling in the extremities. It was, it was an adventure. I don't. I only get those during my workouts. The See, like yeah. the uh, yes. sparkles in the uh, eyes and the yes, that yeah. whole time under pressure sparkles. Like yeah. if you like do the deadlift and you get the ding ding ding. Yeah, that's that's just a thing at yeah. ten thousand feet where there's just that no sound fun. no air. But after four days, you acclimate, which has been interesting. Now that we're back at sea level, um, also one of the things that helped us tremendously for acclimation. Um, and for the volume of drinking and consumption that we did at that altitude is uh, Pedialyte. Um, one, it was a wedding. We were celebrating. There was like, everybody's like, hey, a toast. All right, another toast. So you're drinking. And it tends to hit you a little bit harder when you're up there versus at sea level. So I've heard people say when you make a big altitude switch, don't 
don't drink for a day or so. Let your body get used to where you are before you start to hit it with other substances. Um, but no, this was a celebration and we hit the ground running. And I noticed in the grocery stores, there, there, the shelves, lots of Pedialyte. So I took the hint and got a couple of bottles and I am so glad I did. It's got a couple of more things than um, Gatorade or any other, other kind of electrolyte drink. Um, and sports even, drink, I believe is what the kids call them. Sports drink, yes. okay. But, but um, not an energy drink, yeah, that's no, something else. That's something else. But just being able to sip on that when feeling sluggish before any of the consumption started was helpful. Um, so yeah, Pedialyte, I recommend it for going up there. But now that we're back down here, air feels thick and luxurious. My workouts Luxurious been, air. I know. I feel almost drunk on air. <clears throat> Just, oh. I can take full breaths and like the air goes through my body. I can feel it. I feel powerful. This is amazing. Like, yeah, it's... Mitochondria are getting it. They really are. So, yeah, altitude. It's a fun thing to play with. It's a fun thing to play with. I, the only thing, like when you were talking about it, what keeps coming up in my mind is when the, uh, for those of you watching Game of Thrones, they had the like dragon aerial fight scenes and like there's people on those things. Like there's a, you know, the Night King, yeah. he doesn't have to breathe. Well, no, that's the details. But you know, <laughs> Jon Snow and Khaleesi, they have to breathe. And I'm like, y'all are just chilling up there like it's cool. I, I don't. You know, whatever. This is why I can't watch things for entertainment. Because I'd be like, facts, physics, what are you doing? No, no. Physics, physics will smack you down. Oh, <laughs> Nature physics. always bats last. Oh, God. Yes. So, uh, my week has been, like, kind of reconnecting with family. Mm. Particularly my spouse. Yeah. Just, like, spending time. Uh, they have changed their thing at work so they're not working as much which is nice i like i like her i yeah. like getting to see her yeah um and we are you know changing the way we're changing the way the house is being kind of done we're sort of i don't know I, we operate like a tiny village <clears throat> and um you know for those that don't know what the fuck that means um basically there's like this thing that traditionally was sort of centered around either nation of origin or religion for most folks. Um, but we didn't have that. Most of my family members are atheists, for example, mm. or agnostic, mm -hmm. and a, a temple isn't going to be a good fit for us. And we all have different nations of origin and we have we come from different places in the country and it's just not a you know we don't have that in common but we're still building a family together and we the closest common analogy i can think of is we operate like a village and we are currently considering expanding that village with more people which means we're going to need a bigger house <laughs> and and if you think about all the things that a, a couple just two adults with their own opinions and feelings trying to negotiate the purchase of a house. Well, we have two, four, six adults with their opinions and feelings. 
That's a lot of opinions. I've been doing so much emotional labor this week. <laughs> and it's like my job. This is like what I do. And part of why this is a thing that we can do is because it's somebody's full-time job to do emotional labor when it's needed. Emotional labor is still labor. Remember it that. Is so much labor. And, you know, it's labor for the people. It's a literal labor of love, right? It is mm -hmm. the most love of labors. And <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, and, and you want to make everyone happy. And you want to make sure everybody feels good and feels really awesome about what we're doing. But the first thing you're going to deal with is what, what just the idea of it and what what it brings up in people's bodies and that's like that's real and those are real problems for those folks whoever's having feelings at this time we all we're, we're, we're very likely to all take turns because that's the way this works mm -hmm. um yeah so like it's just been a really intense work week for me because of a lot of a lot of feelings and that's just part of yeah it's kind of cool though like I like my job I love my job I love taking care of my loved ones mm -hmm. and um, yeah I feel like lucky and it's still exhausting <laughs> just because you love it doesn't mean it won't beat you down from time to time <laughs> Yeah, this week is just, it's in the work. It's in the work time. Mm -hmm. And usually I get to like kind of, it's just on maintenance time. Yeah. And, you know, that's fun too. Yeah, no, that, that is a thing. It came off the mountain, came back to sea level, and went straight into the gym. Which is exactly what you should do. It really is. If you have Literal any sort Olympic of athletes train this way, they go to high elevations, starve themselves of oxygen, and then go compete. It was a phenomenal feeling. Uh, they put us on, uh, I was on what, ski erg? Like the, not ski, uh, rowing. The row machine. And skiing on the brink. Uh, well, they have a ski erg. Yes. So. I, yeah, for people. Uh, yeah. Yes. They, uh, mm. Mobility, accessibility issues, ski ergs. Great for people who have lower body issues. Mm -hmm. Help work the upper body. But no, I was on the rower. Um, and I'm used to rowing like 30 seconds and being like, <gasps> and I'm just cranking and having a conversation with the woman next to me who's staring at me like, why are you talking to me? How are you breathing? And talking? <laughs> How? So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm, I feel good. And then I promptly waltzed my happy behind over to the trap bar deadlift and cranked out a PR. Badass. Yeah. I didn't fitness because I was doing too much of the other things. I did not at all. I, I am just like, I get to see grandma. I get to see my spouse a lot right now compared to before, you know, it's, I just all. realized I squeak every time you mention your grandma. I mean, I do too. Okay. She's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We're really, and she's really enjoying, uh, since her birthday, I've sort of upgraded us. So that instead of going to Applebee's and Max's, 
which are like, you know, middle of the row, you know, it's not like fast food or whatever, but it's not much better than fast food. It's certainly mass produced. Um, and they operate out of a commissary, literally. Mm -hmm. So like all their food is prepared at a a central location and then shipped out. out in portions to be microwaved or reheated on site. That is how they, that's how they make food. Um, which is fine. It's a perfectly, it's, it's actually pretty good as far as it's consistent mm-hmm. is what I should say. Yeah. Um, so recently I was just like, you know, it's her birthday. I'm going to take her somewhere nice. And because we go on Tuesdays, like they're all empty. Yep. All the fancy places are empty. Yep. So I just take her to really fancy lunch every week now. And just like. She's so pumped. I was going to say, how's she liking it? She's pumped. She's like, yes, let's go. Super, super exciting. Oh, oh, oh. So she's like wanting to get out of the house and stuff? Like, I mean, she's just more excited to see me in a way that is really fun yeah. to notice. Because I was starting to get to a place of where she's just like feeling like things are a drag mm-hmm. and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like an excitedness in her voice that's really nice to hear. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, is that our segment? I think that's about it. All right. Perfect. Let's keep us on time. And we are back. Segment two. It's going. I can see the little thing going. Oh, yeah. Wait. All right. There. Let me put my mic up where it's supposed to be. face. That's where the mic goes in your face. So the numbers, I love the numbers. It's time to do the numbers. The numbers okay. have all come from TikTok. I mean, all, obviously, like our listeners are going to be coming from anywhere. Uh, the fact that we're consistent is important. Mm. Consistency is very important for the audience. Up. So that's going to be a part of what is causing us to grow naturally. Is that we've been consistent in putting out content. That that we get huge bumps that seem to correlate to when I talk about the podcast on TikTok is phenomenal. Hey, y'all. Hello, TikTok fans. <laughs> um, I can very clearly see like our two biggest days. This is in, I, I went and looked at Housewife Biz Life as well. So the thing that, I, I don't know how they found the Housewife Biz Life other than because we had the anniversary that we mentioned recently mm, so yeah. they may have found it there i wish i could get more data out of our uh host but i can't and that's just the way it is transistor uh transistor fm yes exactly uh so there is definitely action coming from tiktok 25 downloads a day is a lot is a lot for us mm-hmm. when we're talking about most of what we do in a month right now uh our our monthly was our our best month was 145 last year in a month and last month april we did 167 and that's a, that's like that's a, a, that's a chunk of people like i was really excited to have you know 100 downloads a month and that we are significantly over 100 downloads a month i'm it's so like, what and now we're here? starting to talk and now we're starting to look at like 25 downloads in a day 26 downloads in a day hey y'all whoa that's awesome yeah i'm just happy you all are listening i'm happy you guys can find us and are hanging out that's super awesome um other things that i really like about having the show really be here is that the tiktok is not 
a controlled environment at all. Absolutely not. I would not <laughs> recommend using TikTok to talk about your fun kinks or your sex life or anything that would be inappropriate for kids under 13 because there's just no controls on it um and it's just so weird that that's there and they just don't have the same systems in place that we have in america because it's not an american company mm. um so again i'm i'm looking at movie standards just because it's clearer what the standard of this line is here for 13 year olds this line is here for 17 year olds this line is here for children you know yeah that's helpful for me to see and it's just when we're here on this podcast we're talking about adult stuff but there's an explicit button that i push every time i upload an episode and the existing systems the parental controls for this country or europe or any uh english or western country they're gonna have those parental controls because goddamn, do we love parental controls in this country and we we have certainly exported those powers <laughs> to whatever degree they will let us i like that the main show is here mm -hmm. on the podcast mm. i like that i have the field to play with at tiktok but it's a limited field and i accept that it's a sort of a yeah, there's just no controls over there. It is. Oh, I mean, the closest thing I can come up with to describe what it's like doing stuff over there is um, one year we went to the Black Rock Desert in the middle of the summer and wound up in a uh, Roman candle fight with some friends. You should see the look on Rebecca's face right now. My, uh, my inner nurse mom is just lighting up. Like, what the fuck are you kids talking about? Yeah. But it that is what TikTok feels like. When there's like stuff flying past you and yes. explosion here. Oh, and God. there's something there. And you're that like, is exactly what, what like. the entire fuck is happening around here? And you, what? Like so, most uh, of it's yeah. great. Most of it's great. And you know what? It totally, oh God, you're right. It reminds me of this one time at 4th of Triplaya. <laughs> Exactly. Where, yeah, we're just you like, know what I'm there's just about. not enough rules. And like, there was this guy who had modified a uh, jet, a jet motor. Mm -hmm. And he just like, he sat on it and pointed a jet it and yeah. pointed it. And he would just go in circles and like, and it would start to glow red with the heat. And just like, dude, you're, you're, you put that on your crotch. The fuck? yeah <laughs> just that sort of uh yeah there's so, no rules there's no structure there's no anything don't hurt yourself go have fun yeah but in this case like if you're going if you're going out to black rock desert with your you know jet rocket <laughs> scooter <laughs> <laughs> um you know there's not a lot of children out there there's just uh, a lot of just unsupervised children in this play space that's just like you know, they're like, this is a cool toy. I want to play with the toy. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Uh, too, totally. I want you to be able to figure out how to produce yes. your own videos and uh, lip sync to whatever video game you're playing these days. But, um... Yeah, can you do that someplace else, please? Can you not even do it someplace else, but just if, if TikTok would simply um, filter the For You page for the whoever's looking at it, for the eyeball of the For You, you know? Um... There's lots of people that indicate in their uh, profile that they want it to be 13 plus. 
there should be somewhere in your settings that you can literally push a button and say, I only want 13 year olds to see my shit. I only want 18 year olds to see my shit. I only want, this is a general audience show. Go for it. Do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That would be so simple. <laughs> Why the fuck don't they do that? Mm. They make it the user's responsibility. They make it the creator's responsibility. And the creator's the one that's going to take shit for it if they fuck it up. Yeah. And it's just like, this is, should not be my job. I mean, honestly, that's why I'm sticking. Well, no, I'm not sticking so vehemently. But most of my content is very general and it's uh, specific to my work. And that's part of why I keep my work stuff so dry. Mm-hmm. because the parent like I tag it for parents and the parents find it and they're like okay yeah cool mm-hmm. um because it's organizational stuff I'm talking like right now I'm working through the clutter hoarding scale so people understand what the evaluations are when somebody walks in and sizes up a space it's dry I make it a little funny just because I'm a goofball but like I'm not really going to catch 13 year olds most of my stuff is the the main issue that I have is that I cuss well, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's a thing in America, yeah. especially. In Europe, it's not less. It's less of a thing in Europe. Or well, I don't yeah. even know about Australia or New Zealand. I'm not sure how it works there. But I know in in the U, the UK and in the Europe, they don't give a fuck. Um, it seems sort of weird that we do, but we do. And another thing that I think people take for granted is that uh, gay speech is political speech. Mm-hmm and talking about gender or sexuality is political whether you like it or not and um i avoid it and i've also gotten to this place where i'm just like no i am stardust no i am made of sparkly fucking magic i don't have a gender i am stardust i do not have a sexual orientation i am and am attracted to stardust and like that, I mean, that that to me um, allows me to talk in a way that is indirect, uh, but I'm not going to talk about gender or sexuality or fucking economics or some shit like that on TikTok. I don't get enough time and space to explain what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm. And there are no, no protections for queers in China. That's not a thing. So, you know, even if I... You know, whenever they figure out how to do the kid protection shit, I can goddamn guarantee that queer (laughs) conversations and, you know, I say, quote unquote, queer issues, gay issues, trans issues, right? Like, like they're not human issues, um, aren't going to be things that are protected. And I've tried to find a judo way of like talking around it. You can't see my like arms doing like the... The matrix sweeping yeah like matrix shit of just like no we're talking about stardust you know <laughs> so that's been like kind of the the tiktok story okay. which is like a t- intensity where like the conversation a month ago was about uh getting getting our facebook ads and i'm just like nah we're not on facebook anymore it's tiktok now yeah. And, and in another month or two, it'll probably be some other shit. But it is interesting. <laughs> it keeps happening, yeah. It's like, oh, there's a thing over there's there. There's this weird thing happening over there. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So that's the know, business me, update for the us. business, yeah. Now mine is 
I'm trying to even get warmed up to talk about it because it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, you, you're like Dixie. You like making people squirm. Um, it's not, a, it's, it's a, <laughs> okay, talk you're about right. the thing, talk you're about right. the thing. You're right, you're right, yeah. I'm not gonna, it's, I'm not gonna even try to fight you, you're right. <laughs> but, <laughs> the thing that. But it's good medicine, right? I mean, it, I, I see where you're going with it, and I understand it, my head understands it, but that doesn't change the squeamishness. Your body wants to puke, That's That is care. part of it. I get it, okay. Like, yeah, so I did the whole submission to end well and I'm waiting it's gonna be I think like another two months before I hear back from them all the waiting I know so the waiting is just fucking grueling um and I'm trying I'm doing best not thinking about it um like I keep telling myself the victory was in submitting the application to begin with like being brave enough to like write the thing out and step up and go boom that is me take it or leave it nice like but at a certain point they're either going to take it or leave it and how do i uh deal with them leaving it because the odds are much greater that they're going to leave it i don't think people realize that the odds are forever in your favor Uh, possibly if you think about just the number of people that download and observe tiktok versus the number of people that will actually produce a single video Mm, that's a good point because i see lots of stalkers Mm -hmm. Uh, most people are participants very few people want to submit Hmm. Well, okay, maybe the odds are in my favor. But there's that uh, over-identification with my submission as me. That is a different issue. Yeah, where it's like, oh, you rejected that. You've rejected me. I am terrible. I am a horrible person. This is, oh. Oh, God, I want to pet you now. (laughs) Like, yeah, you can see my shoulders going up, can't you? You're okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there's the waiting for that. And in the meantime, I do have another t- talk coming up at the end of the month and have gotten a decent ways along with uh, getting that together and like ready to present. But it just makes me so fucking uncomfortable. I mean, just, ah. How many the, minutes is it? Uh, 20. Okay. Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's a sitcom. Yeah. That's a lot of content. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a big story that I'm doing. It's kind of two that I'm merging together, but like, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about it in my head less as I'm giving this lecture and more as I'm telling this story. Like mm-hmm. this, I got like, listen to this because I tell stories better than I lecture, basically. People listen to stories better than a lecture. Yeah. I mean, just, so just the way it feels when you say, do you want to hear a lecture? Like, nah, like, no one wants that. Let me tell you what happened because, like, you will not believe this because this is some stuff. Um, and people sit up and listen when you're like, for real, listen, this is some stuff. Um, but even in getting that together and like working out the segments and figuring out transitions and whatnot, it just works up so much anxiety in me. And I wound up like, I wound up having a crying fit last week over it, just completely coming unglued because this is a lot. And it's not, I'm not going to call it good or bad. It just is. Oh, and like at a certain point it will be over. Like right now it it just is. And then it will be over. Um, oh, and I just want to get to over. One of the things that Charity just, she just posted a, a blog post 
Um, and she gets into the first part of the blog post is about how when she first, first, first started public speaking, she had that first invitation. And it went so badly. She was absolutely uh, traumatized and ashamed of her performance. Mm. And proceeded to then take every opportunity to speak until it was not the worst experience ever. But it was like months and <clears throat> months and many, and I'm not saying like like everybody has to do this, but she's also kind of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Same, same. And she's, you know, dealing with, her industry is definitely male dominated. Mm-hmm. So there was little things that like, I was pissed. Oh my God, you won't believe what happened, right? <laughs> um, with, she does this webinar and this dude gets on and is like, I don't like, I don't like the sound of the speaker's voice. Then log off. I know, right? And like the whole time she's doing this talk is just like badgering in the comments about her voice and the sound of her voice being too squeaky. And like, as soon as I heard that, I was mad because that is the fucking patriarchy. And, and she like literally came to me after the thing and was like, is, is there something with the sound of my voice? And I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. The motherfucking patriarchy is just training us all to appreciate a lower octave of voice and that guy's just a dick. Mm. And and you did not deserve to deal with that and you should know that that is absolute 100% bullshit and no. Yeah. Uh, and she kind of, there was a little bit of that to overcome with the like mm-hmm. dudes in the industry mm-hmm. and a little bit of... Um, uh, conversely, the industry, the uh, tech industry is also trying to do better and trying to get more women speakers. So she also gets invited more because mm. she stands out as a woman speaker. Yeah. Which she wouldn't be able to keep up if she was full of shit. So that's a real thing. True. But also, like, she gets more invites because they need women to do the thing. And the, yeah. Well, F8 just happened. What folks don't know about how fucking Facebook works, they don't actually have that many women engineers. No, they do not. What they do is they make every single one of them give a presentation at F8. Every single goddamn one. (laughs) So it looks like there's a lot of women around. But no, that's literally all of them. Pay no attention to the dudes behind the green curtain. Right. (laughs) I mean, Uh, yeah. yeah. So... Presentation but in this in the face of shame. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's it's it's really it's real. Oh, so it's just a lot. I feel like I'm doing this whole like climbing up a wall in order to get to the point where I can just give the fucking talk. And oh. I have a vision when you're saying that of like The Exorcist, the kid crawling, crawling up the up wall. The wall. <laughs> I mean, like, I bet that's kind of what it feels like. Something along those lines. It's like, mm-hmm. I am possessed. Mm-hmm. This I is can not, see that. Like, this is this force that's not me that's doing this because it's good for me, quote unquote. And oh, can I just hide? No, I can't Mm-mm. just hide. Mm-mm. Also, it can be, I think it can be taken for granted how comfortable I am on a microphone mm. because I've been a technician 
working in stage since middle school. All so through this high is school, your playground. all through college, I have spent years mic checking to an empty room. Many times a day, sometimes, mm -hmm. scores of times in a week, for sure. So, like, I have a lot of super low stakes practice. So, my comfort with this equipment is because this was my job. My comfort with my voice is because I've heard my voice on so many different systems. And, you know, there's parts where you literally get up on the podium and you have to talk nonsense. You just have to keep talking for like between three and five minutes while the person across the room starts to adjust is is just tweaking knobs and setting up the system. So you just like and, and the thing that I would do every time because I thought it was funny uh, my dad, my my uh, stepdad has his collection of records from like the 70s and 80s, which are now mine. Mm. And um, like the funniest thing to me was uh, the L.A. Dream Team, which no one's going to know what the fuck that is. But the L.A. Dream Team was a old hip hop thing. And the intro for one of their records is just ladies and gentlemen and dream team and gentlemen. And I would just do that over and over again. And it'd be like, ring, ring. Hello. Can we talk to the dream team, please? And it's just like, <laughs> just that was my jam. And I did that so many times. And you can pick any record, whatever. I know the kids don't listen to records anymore. Whatever. The, your, pick your media and just do it over and over and over again. And that's kind of what I love about TikTok is it gives you an opportunity with the lines are picked for you. Mm -hmm. You're very familiar with this content. It's actually much easier to get the timing right because you've already seen it. And it's just it's like, oh, that you forget that people rehearse to make that shit happen. Oh, God. What was it? Somebody said uh, professionals rehearse. Amateurs don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. That's funny. To uh, me. Noted. Um, but it, uh, one thing I will say about like doing this and actually doing the videos on TikTok has forced me to do it despite the discomfort that like, just, just, just keep going. Just keep going. Get your cringy on. Oh, it's so uncomfortable, but it is also forcing me to become aware of the performative nature of presenting information full mm -hmm. stop um could be an audience of one could be an audience of a thousand or so up. thinking about things like timing uh posture gesture facial expression voice intonation like all that shit just mm -hmm. <gasps> and forcing it into video makes you break it down when each time you do a take for for your TikTok, whatever Mm -hmm. Like, you know what that's supposed to look like. You've got an, a vision in your head of, oh, my God, I love this art. It would be perfect if it was just just this one little, uh, just one or two little, uh, uh, I'm going to do, th oh, God, it's going to be so good. Execution on that, even if it fails, will teach you so fucking much about yourself, about your face, mm. about how much you love your art. It's, yeah, it is. it is a trip, and it is... A lot of this is like working through the discomfort. Hmm. I will say that. <laughs> so I also have a, a discomfort game. I am I am I am between when I don't take money and when I will probably take money soon for for mm. being useful. Mm -hmm. um, I have said before that I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like nickel and diming my friends 
for you know a consult here and there and especially uh i went in to talk to one of my clients and the month ago when i went and had my meeting with them the information that i gave them is now obsolete wow and it's because it was like year old information and then i went to do more research on it and it was like oh shit this is nothing like what i thought it was i was just wrong like that i did not charge her for that time i actually feel amazing about mm-hmm. um but there's a point when i do need to start charging for my time because on the other side of it my clients don't have the same commitment to what i'm telling them because they haven't paid for it mm-hmm. so i remember that equation <sighs> now i'm sort of like between I still don't want to nickel and dime my friends. I still want to be in the lab. It's, it's more fun for me to just, you know, have it be low stakes. And I just have to be mindful and figure out when the stakes actually change. And I feel like it's starting to change because of the performance on TikTok, where it's like, I can actually you can demonstrate I actually know something. You can I do have to manipulate. I have a, you know, I have the face of a cult leader. Great. That helps. All right. My hair is amazing. Got to acknowledge that. It's fucking amazing hair. Okay. But that's not everything. That's not going to get you 10,000 fucking. I was celebrating 100 followers at five weeks and 10,000 at eight. That's two full degrees of magnitude in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Something's there. Yeah. More than my fucking face and hair. Right? That'll get me a lot, but it's not going to get me that. So we're just starting to, like, I, I am now, I, am, I, I feel like the analogy I keep using is like we're launching a rocket and there's a certain point where there's fireballs shooting out the bottom of this rocket, but the harness is still holding the rocket to the ground. And to get maximum, like to get escape velocity you actually have to put a lot of pressure on that pad before you release the, the harness. And so the question is, when do I release the harness? Because we've, mm. we've got fireballs coming now. Yeah. Fireballs are coming. There's definitely pressure on that fucking pad. <laughs> the pressure is exhibiting itself in motherfucking record day downloads for our podcast that I can't even link to. It's like, what? They got to search for that shit. They got to type things. They can't just click a button. They were looking for you. Exactly. So something's happening. And uh, and it's just, you know, when do I let it go? Mm. Hmm. Uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to add to this segment is um, a little financial tip that I thought of. And this is for the folks that have just started with um, a portfolio mm -hmm. or have just bought a house. And the thing that I just learned about, because we were trying to figure out how to buy a house, um, is that what you can do is get a short-term loan, not a bridge loan. No. The bridge loan can blow up. Um, and if you're not familiar with a bridge loan, if you're at the point where you bought a property, you can talk to your real estate agent about that. This is for people who have these sorts of assets. And I know most of our, our financial advice has been for like the the working their way up to that um with this temporary short-term loan you can uh the way people in san francisco have been buying these properties cash 
basically. Mm-hmm. Without a bridge loan, you can do these short-term loans that um, it's a few, it's, it's almost the whole value of the equity on your home that you can cash out and just put straight down on the next plank place and then sell your previous house. You've got this loan that it's cheap because it was based off of an, an asset. So like versus a, what's called a non-secured loan, which is your credit card. This is a secured loan. So you get far better rates for this and you get more better terms for it. So you can do whatever you need to, to sell your other house and put this cash down on the new house. That is effectively the equity from your old property. It's a little complicated, but that's the new thing for getting the value out of your home. Now, this is only for if you understand specifically what you're doing. I would not, obviously not a financial advisor. You would need to talk to your financial people. You need to talk to your real estate agent. But um, for a known large purchase, this is not an impromptu bullshit. I'm going to go buy lottery tickets option. Um, no, this isn't the sort of purchase that sneaks up on you. No, this is a we're planning months ahead of time kind of purchase. Um, yeah, that th- those are sorts of tools that are available once you start to have those assets. So when you're accustomed to using a credit card or you're accustomed to using uh, the first thing they're going to bring to your attention is what's called a bridge loan. Um, those aren't as good. And you don't start to hear about these other options until you have people who can help guide you through this. So get a professional in your area for your thing. Get a person who can help guide you through this. Yes, please. (laughs) My person just told me about this and I'm like, oh my God, folks, yo, there's this thing. Talk to your people. Uh, So that's, I wanted to close with that. And then our next, our Rantifesto will be led by Courtney. Again, with the discomfort. And the shame. And the shame. Oh, it's so good. Fucking shame. It's like a hot tub. (laughs) There it is. Mm. Rantifesto time. So now we're about to get into it. Um, where to begin? My job is built on shame, which is kind of fucked up when you think about it. Um, there's a lot of shame around people not adhering to some notion of acceptability in their appearance or the appearance of their home. Um, and a lot of what I do kind of works around being with them while they experience shame. And uh, working with them through it. Sometimes they make it all the way through. Sometimes they don't. But shame in and of itself is this really insidious force in the world. Um, Like last week, last week we talked about what? uh, Secrecy. Mm -hmm. Um, Secrets being this thing, this force that um, upholds structure and uh shame is another facet of that thing that upholds structure um shame is used to drive behavior it's used to control it's Mm -hmm. used to control people it's also used to i mean 
control is one thing that you think of in the, in the negative as far as like we don't we don't want people to do these things but it's also like controlling people to do certain to do things. certain things yes i mean shame shame is a tool yes it is a tool um it's something that exists to enforce societal mores like uh different things that are appropriate so shame has positive forces um or at least they could be considered positive i mean public but shaming is certainly that is a, a tool thing. yeah that absolutely but it's a to a, to a point to a point and then it gets every tool becomes a weapon at some yeah, point. Yeah, at a certain point, shame becomes something that you, you cannot recover from. It's, and when we're talking about things that people have done or things that they're not comfortable about, to be able to have the conversations around them is the best medicine. Yeah, I mean, like, there's various situations where people feel shame i have been actually i have been sexually assaulted um there is shame around that um that shame clamps down on meaningful conversations that could happen around that and that's not just on the personal level that's on a broader level um the shame that is associated with that is part of why more sexual assaults aren't reported. There's the shame of having to talk about what's happened to you or rehash your behavior. Um, I don't want to go into that. I don't want to have to explain or defend any of that. Mm -hmm. um, but on the same note, the going back to last week and the secrets and the secrets being stripped of their power when they're exposed. Mm -hmm. um, shame is also stripped of a lot of its capacity to manipulate. When you actually sit down and open, open yourself up, open that up and put it out for this thing not, as this thing not to be hidden but to be publicized and shared um there's a lot of vulnerability inherent in that there's like a phenomenal amount of vulnerability inherent in that um we are not used to being vulnerable vulnerability is looked at as weakness well it's the whole there's a whole culture now or uh pop trend around like the cringiness mm. and the um the episode let's get self-conscious is performing remarkably well because people want to see you cringe people want to understand that it's difficult we don't we do everything we can to avoid that even on the like most benign subtle level i mean shame when you expose yourself in that kind of way um acknowledge things that are shameful bring up those sort of things that make those feelings rise up in you it uh, it can be humiliating it can be shameful there are these physical like feelings are a physical reaction to things going on in your head but it's also where connection starts to happen i mean people that pop trend of cringiness and people being drawn to it is 
and I think you brought it up, like there is such a trend towards imperviousness and no vulnerabilities, don't show any weakness, that people don't know what that looks like. And it becomes almost the sort of thing where people want to see it, people want to understand. It becomes like the, the punk rock. It's like of media. We're just like it's not polished. It's actually gross and weird and fucking bizarre, and no one knows what the fuck is happening. No one knows what the fuck is happening, and sometimes there's a bunch of people that know exactly what the fuck is happening, and that is the part. That's like the secret of shame, <laughs> where it's like you do this thing, you show this underbelly of yourself, you show this thing that you're just completely cringy about, and then. I don't know, a day later, a week later, a year later, somebody or several somebodies are like, I thought I was the only one. And mm. you're like, absolutely not. And you start to realize not only are you not the only one and the person you're talking to is not the only one. There's a like platoon of people out there that are not the only ones. You're not alone. And that shame investigating it connects you. Even if you are technically alone, in whatever your shame is, when it happens and it is released into the world, though it may feel like it will kill you, it is not in fact going to kill you. No. And there's a reason that it feels like it would kill you. And it's because by and large, shame has been a huge factor in like human evolution. Social shaming is one of the things that gets brought up in uh, Sapiens as one of the big evolutionary traits that helps humans be human mm. and be more effective than um, other animals at organizing. Because like ants are far greater populations of organized animals mm. than we are as humans. Uh, but it's the public shaming and the ability to gossip behind one another's back that action and the uh, and specifically the part where you're afraid you're gonna fucking die, that's exile. And that's what happens with with small groups. In you know in wilderness, like like situations. If you are exiled, you will die. Now we no longer we don't we don't get to do that anymore. Like that's like a thing that we've held on to, from like hunter gatherer times that like is super outdated and it's entirely based in shame. And sometimes the shame will drive you to uh, self-impose exile. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And we still do exile. Yeah. We just call it prison. Well, yeah. Or, you know, <sighs> in very rare, ex you know, in very rare cases, we've decided that, you know, you're going to die now. And thankfully, we're not doing that as much, but we still exile people. I still don't think like that's not helpful. It doesn't get to what happened and why these things happened. Like people commit crimes for reasons, not because they're bored. Sometimes it's because they have literally nothing else to do and that's by no fault of their own. So like, you know, we can start to look at the reasons people do things instead of punishing them for their behavior and start to look at things a little bit more, you know, yeah. helpful context and Response, more helpful responses to difficult situations. But uh, when it comes to shame, actually, um, I I wrote down Brene Brown. She's an author um, and a researcher around shame and vulnerability. She's got a pile of books, 
whole pile of them. Um, the one that I use the most in my work is uh, the gifts of imperfection, mostly because um, a lot of the shame that comes up with my clientele and that I hear come up in a broader sense is around this uh, disconnect between the reality of their life and the image that they have in their head of what is the perfect situation, mm -hmm. the perfect person, the perfect scenario. And it's like, oh, I'm ashamed. I can't let you come into my house because it's not perfect. I'm ashamed. Um, fuck that. Mm. Um, Seconded. The... Seconded. Fuck that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the... Uh... Oh, hell, where was I going with that? I had a thing, actually. Charity yeah. and I were talking about this last night, that um, one of the advantages that I feel like queer kids or homosexual kids have is that because society is largely based off of coupledom that is a heteronormative couple situation mm -hmm. they have this like blueprint ahead of them like this is what you're supposed to do in adulthood mm, yes and if you're queer you just have to you, like once that isn't working now you're questioning everything yeah like the second, the second you have to be like, oh, my, my relationship doesn't look anything like what I was prepared for in a goddamn Disney movie. The fuck, Disney? Well, okay, I'm going to make figure it, it out. I'm going to figure it out. And then when you're figuring out the basis, of, like the, the, that's the basis of your future is how you build relationships with people. And the second you start to unravel that, now you've got to think about everything. But there's a... Like when you start to do that, it, and this is something that I've noticed too, it pull, once you deviate from the blueprint or deviate from the roadmap, um, shame has less of a hold on you. Mm. Oh, right. Because you're, you're, you're like, already out of the status quo. The, you're the, not, oh, yes. Like you're not following that map. So all the things that you quote unquote should be doing are right out the window. You don't have that. Uh, standard to hold yourself to so you don't have that shame of not meeting it because it's irrelevant that's what the keeping up with the Joneses is it's irrelevant. It's all shame the keeping up with the Joneses game it's all shame based yeah it's all presentation it's all how do I look to my neighbors and my co-workers what are they and my think? other oh you my know, god they're scandalized when I go to the temple yeah you know no. oh my god I had fun oh god you know yeah and the thing, the thing that's interesting to me too is because we, particularly white people, have trouble having fun. I'm gonna just put it out there. We are a little repressed. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sorry, so I'm over here on the side it's okay. No, it's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. And so, like, um, just when people are having fun they seem to want to sexualize it we were just talking about the furries right yes and like the furries are great i i have a i have a future as a furry because i hate wearing makeup and i love wearing costumes so like you know what i'm gonna have a furry head in a suit in a while you know that's gonna be awesome and in the heteronormative world uh, particularly the white supremacist heteronormative world you know, it just gets extra repressed and they're just like, okay, well, the only way to have fun is to have sex. So clearly you're having sex in that suit. And I'm like, 
<laughs> you know what? I, I appreciate that you want to participate. Cool. Also, you have no idea the breathability issues in this motherfucking suit, bro. <laughs> you just don't. It's not going to happen. Also, like cleaning this thing. No, no, that is not what we're doing in the suit. The suit is expensive. The suit is expensive and effectively fragile. It doesn't get to go through the washing machine. Fun, I am fun. definitely not fucking in it. Imagine, just imagine what it would be like to just play. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh God, no. Yeah. I will play. No, you should be ashamed of, of yourself. How I mean, can, I should. Like, how dare you? How I, dare you have fun? How dare you express joy? How, see, see, that's the shit that shame does. That's that right effectively there. what the haters on TikTok are doing. Yeah, fuck them. That's like that, and I think about it every time. It's just like, no, I'm having fun. Like, who you want to join me, or do you want to? Yes, having joy in this world. You are a person on the face of this earth who deserves joy as a birthright. Full stop. That's who you are. Fuck shame. There's, there's. We are humans, and we get to have joy, and as long as you're not hurting other people. Like that's that hurt no one do what you will thing. Yeah. Like the devil worshippers had a good idea with that. <laughs> you know, you can be a doctor, be like, do no harm. But like seriously, hurt no one, do what you will is critical. Cause it's like allow yourself, allow yourself the love and play and care that is in childlike joy and whatever that is for you. And we just don't let that be things mm -hmm. because of how fucking dare you how how dare you how dare you take a nap why are you not grinding as hard as you can to get as many things as humanly possible or you know how dare you be a successful tech entrepreneur and not want a bmw or like our whole generation like the status symbol of the bmw that you've made it what it's a thing okay it's a thing mostly among white people all right i mean I mean, the black folks want an Impala. It's just a different scene. I don't know. I I would rather go sleep on a cliff listening to I the I would ocean rather be really satisfied with my very reliable Honda Civic from 20 years ago. <laughs> it's actually 25 now. Yes. Oh. A quarter of a million miles. Yes. The engine mounts are a bit fucked. The engine could fall out at any moment. Doesn't matter. Character building experience. That's right. <laughs> That's what it Adventures. is. Adventures. I have AAA. It'll be See, fine. But nah, shame. Shame is a tool that has been turned into a weapon and it's been turned into a weapon against joy it was really useful mm. it was really really useful in those like sapien days that i started with it was super useful we need to understand that, that shit's antiquated right now and rather than shaming ourselves and the people we love because that's only the people we love that's what's the worst part about it the people that love us the most those are the only ones that feel entitled to shame us like this. Mm. Even when it's our neighbors, they love us in this weird, really unhelpful way. And to, to just, you know, to understand that that's where they're coming from. It's not about you. It's about this standard that's antiquated. So many standards are antiquated. I think that's the point of this whole thing is like going into like we're on the edge of some big shit shifting. Right. We're in the middle of some big shit shifting. Yeah. And shame is one of those things that's just tied all up in it when we have to we have to vocalize it. We have to talk about it. We have to 
the same way like naming the utopia we have to name the things we have to put them on the table and examine them mm-hmm. that includes shame and yes. yeah uh. like all the things that make you squirm all the things that make you uncomfortable the being scared of talking in front of people the not feeling entitled to share my opinion with the world all of it we have to examine it the, the reason that i am able to build a tiny village is because i play this game called the scariest thing I know I need to say is. <laughs> I know that game. And we do it yeah. We do it cuddling. I played it We sometimes. do it in pajamas. Yeah. And in a snuggly bed so that, you know, it's a safe space. Pillow fort. You know? And I find that hard conversations, it's easier with touch because I uh, have a lot of childhood trauma and I can hear mean voices. Even in the room with somebody that I know and love and I know that they're not being mean to me, but I will hear they come through mean, mean voices and I will get triggered and fucking respond from this, you know, old place of hearing mean voices. And I know that with touch I can feel you. And and if it was a mean jo- a mean a real mean voice, I could You'd feel, feel your body move. Your posture changes when you're being mean. Mm-hmm. And and so it's the body knows it's sometimes it feels like fucking cracking your chest open and looking at your organs <laughs> through through air you know it's terribly vulnerable and gross see like, that's the feeling i get when i get, like think about talking on stage it's the same it's thing. the same thing. it's just you know a smaller audience mm, mm-hmm. it's just a very tiny tiny audience with my village of six people you know and sometimes we let the children be there for that you know mm. Because they should learn these tools. Um, and they're all tools. Mm-hmm. The shame is a tool. And these new things, this opening up and this sharing and being vulnerable is also a tool. And, you know, maybe my great, 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 great grandkids will have some fucking issue with the vulnerability problem. I can fucking hope. You know? They'll, they'll, I you know, know too much not, of your business. Not my problem right now. <laughs> my problem right now is that we are drenched in shame and refuse to take any accountability and refuse to look at what has happened so just so that we can stop it from happening. People get so goddamn defensive, we can't even have companies take responsibility for when they're killing people. Like what if companies took responsibility for shit, paid for the cost of things, and didn't make no claims of responsibility, but did in fact make responsibility claims and like like opened it up and showed us what happened, why it happened. That would be so powerful, preventing it from happening again. But we are terrified and we won't fucking do it. Mm -mm. I protect myself with bursts of air. Like that's how fucking effective it is. In this day where we are so connected, so much is documented and digitized and tracked. It's just a matter of time before all of the shame is exposed. We've done too much cringy fucking art. We just make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so much cringy art. Oh, it's so good. That feels good. Where do you you feel good? I feel pretty fucking open right now. Okay. All right. I'm going to, yeah. Thank you for listening. Yes. (laughs) And for your attention, please like and share and subscribe. If you think there's somebody that needs to hear this, Send it to them. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So if you have suggestions or ideas or criticism, we would be happy to hear it. Yeah. At uh, kindnessecon at gmail.com. I totally know how to do this. (laughs) And we could be found at kindnessecon.com. Also, 
And who are we? We could find us. I am Bonus Parent Baba all over the internet, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes, I am Courtney King of Seeking Solutions. That is the letter C K I N G Solutions.com. And thank you for listening. Please take excellent care of yourself and the people and the world around you. Oh, yes. Safe travels, y'all. I hope to see you in the future.